Welcome to Beerfield. I am your host at Beerfield Hop, Chris Hopper with two P's. Uh, as always, joined by at Ryan Miner underscore FFB at Beerfield Theory. Um, those Twitter handles and that intro presented by the FF Faceoff. Gentlemen. Look at you. What up, what up, what up? This is what happens when he's half awake. It's like he just goes into. It, it's like go, go, go smooth. It was the smoothest transition ever. Probably was my smoothest intro in a long time. <laughs> Something happens, that recording light comes on, even though we don't have real light, and it's just, it's time. It's time. Doesn't matter how tired I am. I also cracked a beer, so that, that helps too. Got a lot of news to get into this week. Um, a lot of uh, people being bad human beings, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of coaching hires, some speculation that's pretty interesting. Uh, and then we're going to take a look back at the 2021 NFL draft class for Dynasty as we continue our NFL draft look back. So uh, we'll go look at the 2021 class, set some Dynasty values there. Before we do that, we're drinking because we do that here. So where's the drop? There's the drop. What's fueling beer fueled? Whoever, Dan, you probably got something interesting, right? I mean, something interesting, something interesting to me. I'm uh, continuing the NA game because I've been very fascinated in finding and drinking different ones. And I found one that I'm super pumped in, and that's the Guinness Dry, dry NA. Um, nice. One of my favorite beers of all time in general. And to try it in an NA form to see what the difference could actually be is super interesting to me. So here we are. I have Apple's apps as we continue uh, cleaning out my fridge and revisiting some things from a little while ago. I had Apple's apps on over the summer. Apparently still had a can on it or a can of it. That's what we're going to cereal inspired sour ale with apples from platform beer co platform beer co is out of somewhere. They exist in Cleveland, Ohio. So um, that is Apple's apps. It is designed. They can't say this specifically, but it's designed to mimic uh, Apple Jacks and this particular variant was canned on 217 of 2021. So nice. It's almost a year old. Two years old. It's almost two years old. Can't wait to hear that review. And uh, I, I'm drinking oh go ahead. Two years old. Uh, Jesus. I, I was gonna say surprisingly, like not a lot's fallen off, but yeah, we'll review later. And I have Sheboygan Brewing Company's uh blueberry cream ale. This time, actually, did it. I'm doing it out of the glass. So, Attaboy. last time I did it in the can, this time I'm doing it out of the glass. Hope that blueberry <laughs> came out a little bit. He's already going back to the well. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, get, well, I, I, I can't I, drink as much as I used to. It's like, I, I'm so busy doing other things. It's like, oh, that's shit. why I drink NA. That's well, why I, 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 I'm going down that rabbit hole. I gave him the, uh, the out as soon as I started going through my fridge because I was literally out of space. I couldn't hold anything else. I had to start drinking what I had. So I can't pull over any further. He's already pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, for review about halfway through the show and all that, just like normal, let's get into the news and maybe we'll find some flow to this show. A lot of conversation pieces to get into. Most recently, Derek Carr 
visited the Saints this week, and NFL Network's Tom Pelissario is reporting that the framework for a trade between the Saints and the Ra- Raiders is in place. Um, something has to happen before Tuesday, before Carr's uh, 2023 salary becomes fully guaranteed. Well, it doesn't have to happen. It would be good if, for the Raiders if it happened. Uh, Carr has a, a full no-trade clause, so he's kind of got him by the balls here because he can veto any move. If he wants his salary for 2023 to become fully guaranteed, he can just say, no, I'm not waiving it, and then they're forced to cut him. So, it sounds like they have a trade like involved already with the Saints. Like it's already done. That's what I'm saying. They have it, framework it, in place, but Carr's got to approve it. Yeah. So well, then we have to wait for the league year. Yeah, the league year has to actually kick too. off. But yeah, Carr has to sign off on it. But there is framework in place. So, um, what do you think if this goes down? You guys want to speculate on this now? Um, I think first off, do we think this goes down? Yes. Yeah, but the Saints like like too. if you look at the Saints capital dra- or um salary cap the next two years, especially draft capital, they they're they're only moved to make sense of what they've done the last three years, really the last two years post Breeze. It's it's to try to you know squeeze out every bit of a a playoff run with this aging roster and no fucking money or no or no significant capital to fix it. Like they're they're in the hole right now. Not only this salary cap, like not only through this season, but in and also 2024. Like it, it's they're in rough shape. And to have them trading for cars is not a shocking move at all. It, it's it's the bleed they gotta put on. So yeah. The band they gotta put on the bleed. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm sorry, I had to mute Ryan. <laughs> um you Sorry, my be, son's like my son's yeah, watching the uh, honor, so he's like telling me all about it. No, you're good. I saw what was going on. Uh, not not a problem at all. Like we do this live, that's that's gonna happen. So I'm with you, Dan. I think that this is what they have to do to make sense of this. It's what they have to do to to try to keep this thing going. The Saints are man, they have got to be the least for fantasy, one of the least attractive everything's right now but they're also one of the most intriguing so i don't really know how you balance that at full health and everybody playing up to their capability and everything you bring in Derek carr and you know have alvin Kamara doing what he does and you know some compliment to that because Kamara's fallen off since he didn't have ingram on the other side of him um you got the emergence of olave you can get michael thomas healthy and all of a sudden this offense actually looks pretty formidable but right now they're not in a great spot and you know they really have two options it's stop the bleeding or make this trade um or by stop the bleeding i mean cut their losses or make this trade so yeah i think that i think they do make this trade um it is a last ditch effort to try to salvage what they got out of the aging roster did you guys already say that they're 57.3 million in the hole also? We didn't give the number, but Dan said they're in the hole for the next two years. Ryan, yeah, so. just go ahead and look up what the 24 number is. I think they're one of the few teams that are in the hole for 24 as well. So it's this was like the move. Like as soon as I started thinking about like what's gonna happen in free agency, especially with the quarterback class, 
And then, you know, with the speculation of people, it's like the Saints going after Derek Carr feels like their best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we'll see what they do with like, like I haven't dug, you know, dug deep into what they can do, you know, beyond to fix the salary cap problem. We know these guys, these front office guys are wizards, so they'll they'll find a way to get through it. But yeah, <laughs> that that move to trade up for Alave just continues to be like this team, like it makes no sense why this team feels like they're in like this playoff hunt. Like even if they win the South next year, like what are they really going to do in the playoffs? Like nothing. And I don't think people, I don't think we should expect them to win the South. And we're going to get into that here in a minute, but yeah, exactly. exactly. We're going to get into that here in just a second. But you know, I I don't think that the South is going to be quite the anyone's ball game laughing stock that it was last year. I mean, the saints will still be, well, and the Bucks will probably end up down there somewhere. And we'll talk about it in a minute. We'll talk about it in a minute. Because the Saints are still like rated 32nd for 2025 with 39 million in the hole. But in 20, oh no, that was 2024. I'm sorry. 2025, they're they're out of it and they're at they'll have 97.5 million in cap space. But we're those now. cap spaces are are very uh flowing because it shows the Chicago Bears at 508 million. So I mean, it's, it's a lot of it's contracts just, that haven't been made yet. It just shows the the insurmountable dead cap they have from the Breeze contracts, from you know, from Michael Thomas contracts and everything else. Like it's obviously going to get better, but right now it's just what we can speculate and what we can kind of project what they will probably do is it's very minimal. So but that's why this like, move makes sense. Well, like and, you, look, you look at the deal though, too, and it's like you know they're fifty-seven point three million in the hole, but they're also one of the teams that made space to try to get Deshaun Watson at one point too. I know, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense. So it's like I don't really even pay attention to that much to the cap space. I'm like, oh, okay, you're at fifty-seven million in the hole, but you figure it out anyways. And then next thing you know, they're twenty-some million out of it. There's only it's so much you just... can do to figure it out, though, too. So, I mean. They'll figure it out, but it's at what cost do you figure it out, right? I mean, yeah, you can get people to restructure deals, but, you know, like, Michael Thomas isn't really incentivized to do a giant restructure right now. He already did, though. Yeah, Didn't but he? they're still a super over it, so. Yeah. Well, he couldn't have done we'll one a couple of years ago. League year's not open. No, I mean, like, a couple but, weeks, like, a few weeks ago. But. Anyway, we'll see. Um, fantasy impacts of this, if it goes down, we can talk about that when it goes down, um, what that means for Olave. Let's just say it's better than what they had last year for right now. <laughs> Let's hope. Uh, NFL PA's DeMarie Smith would like to see the scouting combine eliminated. Um, and this is something that's picked up steam the last probably two years or so as they you know, look to either revamp or eliminate this. We've heard talks of on-field workouts going away and just having the pro days for that. Um, you know, so do you guys, you know, what are your thoughts on the scouting combine? I think we're all probably in agreement that it's a valuable tool for us if you know how to apply what you get out of it, um, which is not like just straight, oh, he benched this many times or... You know, it feeds a lot of other, like, composite metrics that are helpful. Uh, you know, it's good for teams to get a look at a lot of players by having everybody in one spot. But at the same time, I I don't disagree with uh, 
with Smith's reasoning, which is that it subject subjects players to invasive and unfair questioning. We've heard some of the horror stories, the awkward questions that come out of the interview process. They lose basically all of their HIPAA rights as their full medicals are exposed for everyone, which I mean, look, team's going to invest millions of dollars in you at some point that, and they need you to be physically healthy. I think that there's a, a right to those and a trade-off there, not a right, but a willing trade-off there that can happen. Um, so yeah, his other reasoning I think was that most of the on-field workouts just don't matter or mean anything. And that I agree with. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, it, it's just, you know, gym shorts Olympics, right? It's to see runs of fasts and then which team's going to overpay because of it, right? There's some, like as Hopper mentioned, there's some, you know, there's some actual benefits to people that do this shit like us. So there's actual benefits to players because there's money, you know, to be made correlated to this. You know, it's what could keep, it's what could make a guy go, you know, from round three to round one from, you know, day three to day two. And, you know, there's a lot of money, that's tied into that because these contracts, he's, you know, after these rookie contracts, there's really nothing there. And they have the option to not work out if they're that worried about it. So that too. Right. And there's more curated for the pro days. Like I'm all for removing the interview process. Um, I think that's, as you mentioned, I think that's pretty detrimental. And I think it just gives these people like weird ways to just try to, I don't know. It, it's, it feels predatory think, in a sense. I don't think you should remove the interview process because I think there's value there as far as, you know, knowing where a guy's at, you know, mentally understanding the game, being able to dissect the plays, you know, that type of thing. But there's got to be like a, a, code, a code of ethics around it with legitimate punishment should those lines get crossed, I think. Oh, no, I, I, that part, yes, right? Like, there's going to be an interview process, whether it be at the combine or or, or during the pro days anyways, right. or just behind closed doors where no one knows. There should be conversations. It's, again, it, it, it's a benefit to both people, you know, to, you know, to both the player and the, you know, and the coach that's doing it or the GM that's doing it. So, yeah, it's, it's also makes an info a bunch of money. So, I, I don't legitimately see the combine going away. Um, yeah, I guess I don't we'll see, see. I don't see it going away because for scouting reasons, like you, you, you have all the players at one location, mm-hmm. and then you can pick and choose during the, that school's pro days to who to send there and who not to send. Like you know, all right, yeah, we're gonna go to Michigan's pro day, but we're gonna skip out on Minnesota's. You know, you kind of like see more of the players at the combine to un- help you understand like what you want to do during that pro day. Like, do you want to see what do you want to see on pro days that you can't see during the combine? Yeah. And every major sport has has a combine. They're not is heralded or sought after as the NFL drafts because the NFL is, and I guess to some degree the NBA are the only sports where your draft picks are expected to make an immediate impact. Hockey, like they don't even join the organization most of the time right after they're drafted, unless you're like a top three pick. Otherwise you're you're going back to college or overseas or whatever in baseball, you're going, you know, you're in the minors for, you know, three years or working way up. before you, you contribute. So the NFL, you know, definitely a lot more emphasis on, on draft picks. Um, I, I don't think it ever goes away. It might get reimagined. It might get revamped. I don't think it ever goes away. 
it'd be nice for them to try to figure out how to like make the actual drills worth it worth a damn like you know put them in pads or something right like i don't care what a player looks like when he's throwing off balance no coverage no pass rush like nothing it, like yes it, on, it looked flashy it, it looks cool but there's nothing to it like seven on seven drills with some basic concepts and things like that yeah it's i mean i get it like you don't want a player to get hurt there so you may see less people participate but or just get rid of the drills altogether i guess in that way and they like, might i think and, you have to definitely that, athletically gauge them but just do it at pro days yeah like if you're that interested let them curate their own thing that you know can you know it's like what anybody else does with the interview too like they're yeah, gonna you try speak to your strengths yeah so. Hey, we already know what we're seeing anyways. We see it on the football field during the college football season when they say like projected first round or, you know, recently we just saw the senior bowl and some players are starting to move up that way too. Yeah. So we, we have more than just the combine that we do like, uh, help that helps evaluate these players too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Brock Purdy, uh, he's going to have surgery on his torn UCL, uh, but may not be Tommy John. They're, from Rappaport basically says he, they just expect to be ready by training camp. Everything that we saw, it said six months. So into February, that would put him near the start of the regular season. Um, training camp is a real quick return from a torn UCL, even for football. So I don't know if they found it wasn't that bad. I don't know if there's a really aggressive rehab they can do. Sounds like it's not going to be full blown Tommy John if they're expecting him to turn around that quick. But uh, on that one. Yeah. And more interestingly, George Kittle said today that uh, the starting quarterback job is pretty as to lose. <laughs> I mean, I mean, once they trade away Trey Lance for a ransom, sure. Sure. If you can, yeah. Well, I'm sure there's enough teams out there. Somebody that will. would take a stab on a, you know, on a high end, you know, on a high upside quarterback with still two years left on his rookie deal. I mean, it's not ideal, but. Jets. Depends what the Niners. I guess it depends what the Niners are asking for. It depends how much of the sun costs they want to actually pay. Or, yeah. you know, there's a lot of quarterbacks there. Still have to shake out too. I mean, Carr is going to be the first domino that falls, but after that, and especially after the draft, yeah, yep. There's a lot that's going to have to shake out. It's going to happen on draft night. <laughs> yeah. And you've got some bridge guys out there too, with Garoppolo being a free agent and Heineke going to be a free agent and. You know, some of these upper tier probably better served as backups, but could start if need be. Cowboys are expected to franchise tag Tony Pollard. Um, we'll have a franchise tag episode later, so I'm just throwing that out there as informational. Uh, the Titans named pass game coordinator Tim Kelly as their offensive coordinator. Um, wasn't clear to me, and I didn't bother to look if he was their pass game coordinator or if he is referenced as a pass game coordinator because that's the role he had with the 2021 Texans. But in any event, that's a unenthusiastic hire, in my opinion. On an offense, it's hard to get enthusiastic about pass game. Yeah, I was just going to say that. On an offense, it's hard to get enthusiastic about. Dan doesn't even have anything to say. That's how. That's how. You're on YouTube. You saw the react, the actual reaction. That's how. That that's how enthusiastic this is. Yep. 
Uh, Tom Brady going to begin as a broadcaster in 2024. Something to look forward to. AJ Green retired from the NFL after 11 seasons. Uh, Ryan, I don't I think we did this in a chat. You're not in um, different league. Uh, so Dan and I know each other's opinions on this, but AJ Green, Hall of Famer? No. Yeah, you're you're with us. No, I, I don't see him as a Hall of Famer. I mean, yeah, he had good years, and but it was Hall, really like touchdown Hall, upside. Hall of very good. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be in the bing, he'll be in the Bengals ring of honor. But, oh yeah, I oh can yeah, see that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, He's but, the best receiver they've had. Yeah, since he, not I guess that's retired at least. Yeah, he fell real. He didn't have the the upper tier dominance. Um, he fell fell a little short in in some of those areas. Still a really good career. Uh, just not not quite at the Hall of Fame level, but you know, good for AJ Green. Never quite the same after uh, missing all of all of 2019. Made a go out of it in Arizona, um, but you know, big athletic bodies that you know rely on athleticism. They look they'll fall off at some point, and when they do, it it falls off hard, and there's not a lot of floor there. Julio Jones is in the same boat. Yeah. A lot of injuries throughout his career just never yeah. he never was able to put together string after string after string of seasons of 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 dominance and getting those accolades too and stuff like that. Yep. Uh Cardinals are down to well now two head coaching finalists because they got stiffed by the third guy. Mike Kafka and Lou Anaromo. So one offensive, one defensive guy. They're not expected to announce until after the Super Bowl. So Olivia Kafka coming in, who uh, is getting looks because of his work with Daniel Jones and the Giants last year, or, or defensive-minded guy. He did great with the Bengals defense. So both yep. good options. We'll see. Uh, Carolina, the Panthers, hired former defensive Denver defensive coordinator Ajiro Averro as their D.C. So this is awesome for Carolina. Um this is the opposite of what the Titans did because this is a very enthusiastic hire to get excited about with how many pieces are on that Carolina defense, how good that defense has looked. You got Frank Wright coming in um, on the offensive side of the football. You've got some pieces in place. There are a couple pieces away on offense, but uh, they could very easily be a, a winning team in the class of the NFC South. They should be Doesn't the. I think much. they'll. I think they'll be the favorites to enter. I think once we get you know Vegas lines, I think they'll be the favorites to win. Good coaching infrastructure in place there, shaping up. Yeah, yeah. Good. I guess it depends and... what they do at quarterback too. If they're gonna, and they're gonna stick with Darnold. If they're gonna, you know, see what they got at Matt Corral. Bring in Jimmy Garoppolo and let him game manage the shit out of it. They could. You know, yeah. that that it's also a direction they could go. <laughs> I mean, we've they've shown they can make some good through the run game. Bring in Jimmy, get somebody to compliment DJ Moore. It doesn't have to be a high end guy. It could be a tight end. Could be a wide receiver. Just get yourself a second option, and you're in you're in good shape if they can ride that defense. Brian Schottenheimer has been hired as Dallas's new offensive coordinator. Brian Schottenheimer, famous for running a lot more than they threw in Seattle. Um, the 
antithesis antithesis of let Russ cook, which maybe as we're seeing now might have been for good reason. A lot of Zeke, because now it sounds like Zeke wants to restructure his contract too. Yeah, good amount of Pollard franchise too. take. I didn't realize Dallas thought that this was two thousand that this was nineteen ninety nine, not uh, not two thousand twenty three. It's Jerry Jones, man. That and that offense he probably does too, still man. think it's nineteen ninety nine. All the drugs L- living in the prime. I guess thank God they don't have any other real receiving option other than CD Lamb because. Uh, right. Not going to be a lot of volume in that type of offense. No, but that's not saying that, you know, one receiver can't do it right. I mean, we saw Doug Baldwin do it. We saw um, Tyler Lockett after that do it. So, I mean, there's value to be had there, especially, you know, and how some of these concepts are pick your shots and stretch the field and whatever. Because um, we have seen productivity out of Seattle receivers. Also makes sense, I think, for Dak. I hope he bounces back, but the way with this whole Schottenheimer signing is, is uh, Mike McCarthy still gonna be one calling the call, making the plays, making the calls on the plays. Well, that's also true. And shot, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. That's so, a good point. What is Schottenheimer's influence actually gonna be here? Yeah, so it's like with with McCarthy making the calls, it's like, so what's Schottenheimer gonna do? Do we like losing Kellen Moore? Like, does this offense take a step back? And is it more of a slow, slower paced, or is it going to be something that's like shoot and go and make it more fast paced and side to side? I don't know that it's going to get any more fast paced with either guy, regardless who has the influence there. Looks like uh, Garrett Wilson wins rookie of the year. That's fair. Sauce Gunner got defensive player of the year over or defensive rookie of the year over Aiden Hutchinson. So that's not fair. <laughs> well, at least Jefferson won offensive player. Did yeah, it? that was good. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the rookies were kind of a mess. It was close. You coach of the year announcements yet? I I haven't seen anything yet. I've I've seen Jefferson winning offensive player of the year. Um Wilson winning rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, or Nick Bosa won defensive player. Like Nick Bosa almost was the unanimous defensive player of the year. The voting was pretty insane. I'm sure at some point we will see. Yeah, it hasn't. hasn't I don't think it's come yet. out yet. Yeah. Assistant coach of the year was D'Amico Ryan's sportsmanship not announced yet D- sack leader not not there yet that should be an easy one to figure out no fan of the year yet no call of the year yet ron rivera gets salute to service um you got a whole question. thing on ff face off what's that you got a question about the uh about the oc in dallas change yeah and what it does to cd lamb what do you guys is uh you guys' thoughts on this dynasty value? His ADP, you think? I think I think Lamb's ADP is a second round. I think it's no, he's a first round still. I think it's is neutral. First round still. Yeah, I think it's neutral. Like again, like Ryan was saying. Um, yes, Schottenheimer's run heavy. Oh yeah, McCarthy's yeah. calling the plays. McCarthy's still going to have a lot of influence on the offense. 
Um, so how much of Schottenheimer's concepts and run leaning style is going to get into that. But then also when you look at the success that both guys have had out of wide receivers, um, you know, especially their, their number one target getters, um, McCarthy, of course, with Devonte Adams and, uh, before that Jordy Nelson, and then, uh, Schottenheimer, um, with the Seahawks who were always placing either Lockett or Baldwin into the top 12, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty neutral for CD. I don't, I don't think this swings things a whole lot for me on him one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't, I mean, right now DLF has him as wide receiver four and the fourth overall in, in dynasty as a, you know, I guess single QB, but the fourth, the fourth receiver really can't go much higher. Obviously he won't surpass chase or Jefferson. He's should be in the tier with AJ Brown. So it's not, he can't rise much further. And as, as you guys mentioned, there's no way that he can drop much. There's not enough competition for him at this moment, either way, you know, for, you know, for targets, Michael Gallup really was in the same post as injury. Dalton Schultz is going to be, it's a free agent at this moment. Um, no, And they got really nothing out of Jalen Tolbert. Yeah. Noah Brown was a three for a lot of the year. <laughs> Yeah, like you know, two, yeah, Which is whatever. Fine, but not a threat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian Flores, who was a finalist for the Arizona coaching job, has been hired by the Vikings as their defensive coordinator. Love this move. So he said, Screw Copy. Arizona, screw your head coaching co- job. I'm going to go be a coordinator in Minnesota. <laughs> for one I of the think it's defenses. a better. I think it's a better opportunity for him to try to turn around another piss poor defense and let that be the resume that builds to a better head coaching job. I don't know if Arizona is a it's a desirable spot, and maybe with the maybe there's something with Kyler that just doesn't. It's I don't know. Too many question marks. Like it feels like people are like ah, I don't know what's the quarterback situation right now. Like, do you really well, want to go, go backwards? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure if it, it's. I, I mean, I wouldn't put it all on Kyler for sure. It, it, it might be ownership. It might be with the decisions that we don't know about that was made behind the scenes, how they handled the Kyler Murray contract uh, situation with shit getting leaked and stuff like that. It, it's mm. maybe that was a part of it, or, or or Minnesota just offered a better pitch. Comfort coming out of the interview process and. Yeah, things of that nature. Either way, it's a great get for Minnesota, who needs the defense turned around desperately. Quick, it can't, get, yeah. can't get any worse than you are now. Quick, no, yeah, you don't get worse than the worst. <laughs> Not on this offensive window there, and it's like the exact opposite of what they were in 2018 after their improbable run. Sean Desai interviewing for the uh, Broncos defensive coordinator job. So that's another desirable position. He dropped out of the running for, I think it was Carolina's defensive coordinator position before um, they hired Ajero Averro. Or no, he declined a second interview with somebody to focus on the Denver job. And there's a lot of synergy here. Uh, Desai was under Fangio um, when Fangio was the Bears defensive coordinator. Um, 
you know, he got a lot out of that defense and he's probably going to be a hot head coaching candidate here in a couple of years and would inherit, would inherit a lot of good pieces on that Denver side of the ball if he ends up with that gig. And he's been a hot name for D coordinator gigs. Understandably. So, yes. Uh, All right. Quick. What's worth worst person in the NFL? Brett Favre suing Pat McAfee and Shannon Sharp for uh, essentially what amounts to reporting on his uh, welfare fraud or Russell Wilson for uh, only giving 23 cents on every dollar to <laughs> charity through his uh, charitable organization. <sighs> I want to know better. just how many of these, just... Uh, just how many of these actual charities like what the percentage breakdown is on that's what I was gonna say money that's, given per dollar. That's still better than Goodwill. That's still better than United Way. That's actually yeah, they don't not like nothing, that right? Un, yeah, that's actually not that uncommon for a 501c3 to you know, right, just not for profit. Doesn't mean people aren't getting paid. Just you can't make a profit. So they do some good, but 75 cents every dollar is going into the pockets of the people running it. And then unfortunately, it's that way for a lot of places. Part of being a 5013C, this is my my note to you. And I know this from dealing with a lot of different charities and stuff and some of my side stuff, side hustles, if you will. If you're gonna donate money to someone and you want to make sure it's going to good, 501C3s have to have their financials public. Go find them, go look. Go see where that money's going before you make that donation. That's why I don't give yeah, the that's... United Way. Fair point. So we can agree though that Favre is the worst human being, right? Oh yeah. Favre is a pretty Yeah. Yeah. Total dick move. Just let him keep kind of destroying his character. That's that's fine. He'll eventually be on Fox News spouting dumb shit with other false profited you know people you know thinking they're bigger than the world all right uh one hour on the clock you guys ready to do draft let's do this beer fueled look back all right 2021 draft class we're going to start out by looking at the uh the first round quarterbacks. So um, this was a what we all thought to be a, a deep quarterback class, a lot of talent, some sure things. Um, and it's been okay-ish. So the very top three straight quarterbacks went Lawrence, Wilson, Trey Lance. Um, you also had Justin Fields and Mac Jones in that first round. So you know, let's first off today, like let's let's dynasty rank those five. Who's who's your favorite out of the bunch for dynasty? It's got to be between Fields and Lawrence, right? Yeah, that is. Yeah, uh, they're in their own tier. It's yes. tough because I think it's like, do you want the more traditional pocket passer with some rushing upside, or do you want the you know potentially the next Lamar Jackson? In hopes, but in hopes that the Bears actually, you know, 
develop him as a passer and, and build a scheme around him that can actually be successful. And he becomes somewhere where, you know, Jalen Hurst and Josh Allen are. Right? And that's just it right there. That That's where you have it at, where I put Trevor Lawrence at number one, because here he has everyone around him. He has Calvin Ridley coming into the system. He has a good system already in place. Like he definitely showed why he was the number one pick here last year was a total fluke with throw away. complete throw away yeah. with Meyer. Yep. I got to look at that this year. You know, it started off a little rough, but as the second half got going, that's when he took off. That's when we saw that number one pick come out and it showed. And I like him over fields just because of there's nothing around fields. Like there is around Lawrence right now. Yeah, no, there, there's not. And fields is going to get more done with his legs. And ultimately I think could have more, fantasy football upside but i think lawrence is definitely a little bit safer at the moment i probably would have fields just a tick ahead just because of that athleticism just because of that rushing floor and we did see some brilliance in the passing game to where if they do put players around him he's going to take off to a completely next level but uh i don't disagree with anybody that has lawrence ahead either no it, it's I would put Fields ahead. I, I mean, it's, it's it's my style of quarterback that I've liked. I, I love the rushing upside. Lawrence, we still need to see. I mean, both players, we need to see, you know, take the next step. Fields offers the insane rushing upside that Lawrence just doesn't have when the if the passing game isn't there or they're just getting a below average performance. It, you can't get that type of floor. Fields' floor is insane. Um, yeah, and it both quarterbacks at least right now should be in line for a second contract with both of their teams, mm-hmm. and like you know from a longevity standpoint, there should be no concern from both of them. So they're both top twelve, both top ten. I'd argue they're right around top seven, top eight. Uh, KTC uh, feels the same. DLF feels the same. It's they're just like they were, you know, coming out of high school. They're one and two in terms of where they're at, you know, comparative. So they're right around each other and they probably will be as yep. they should have been in the actual draft. <laughs> yeah. At least in my opinion. Fields going, going behind a, a bunch of offensive guys early. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So the next year, um, well, not, not tier of, of rank guys, but the next, so who's third, is it, is it Lance still? <laughs> is it Mac? Is it Wilson? I mean, because I think that these next three kind of fall into two groupings where Mac Jones is just kind of eh and kind of had to throw away your last year because of the complete offensive dysfunction of the Patriots. Um, and, you know, Lance and Wilson for, you know, completely different reasons just haven't, you know, two years into their careers, they haven't done anything to, to help their cause. Wilson because he's been bad. Lance because he displayed like, two football games because of injury. And yeah, and that's Super just it. Ball. It's not that's, Wilson. No, I think it's I think it's got to be Lance next still, just because of the untapped upside and that it's injury-related, not performance-related. I mean, I, I, it's it's tough because... I, it's just I easier to pick up say, in a bag. Yeah, like, I, like, I think I still agree... I, you know, I look at it with Dynasty, you know, from the quarterback spot, you know, the type of investment you have to make when you're playing super flex, you want to feel, feel you know, pretty confident that they're going to be there for 
you know, you know, for as long as they can be. Mac has that, I think, that type of safetyness to him, but it's got he's that's about it over Lance. Lance had the upside. Lance is in a better offense. You know, better cost with the Niners. I don't see them moving on from Lance, even if you know Brock Purdy is is fine, you know, come the start of camp. Like the guy, you know, the injury guys on fantasy Twitter, it's all it's all the same. Brock probably won't be ready for OTAs and training camp, and he's going to be behind the eight ball where Lance should be ready to go from the get-go. Yeah. Um, it's, got, it's kind of where yeah. I'm at there, too. And then you have to bet on Lance being ready to go from the get-go, winning that outright, and then performing because he'll have a short leash if if Purdy's sitting right behind him and he's not yeah. and ready exactly. to go with what Purdy showed. No, exactly, yeah. Like, Lance has the highest upside here out of this, out of this group. But has also the most improved because they already, we already know Zach Wilson's going to sit for the year. They already said the Jets are going to keep him and just kind of. You could him. get traded. I mean, but, the Jets with like with the improvement of their defense and the insane amount of rot, like they're already the number one front runner to go after Rodgers. It makes yeah. sense. Like Ryan's, you have a young defense that's healthy and a great offensive skill players around him with getting uh, Brees all back from injury. Yeah, it just Ryan's referencing a report from earlier today though, out of Jets the Jets camp that basically oh, said that they don't plan to to trade him. So I mean he's not speculating. There was actually a report earlier okay. today that came out of the Jets beat writers that they don't plan to trade Wilson. They plan to they think he can still develop and they plan to get a veteran to come in and and you know see how he how he develops from from being on the bench for a year or two, which tells me that they believe in the talent that's there, but they they also believe that he wasn't ready and needs to get out of his own head and has some maturing to do and stuff. And you know that's not a vote of confidence long long term for for Zach Wilson, honestly. No, maybe the whole New York area isn't for him. Maybe he needs to actually go to another team, get out of yeah. the state of New York, not not the Jets, not the Giants, be somewhere else. And that's not I mean, saying, I made that point too, yeah. And they will trade him for the right offer, I'm sure. But right now, that's it sounds like they're not actively trying to do that. No. Um. Yeah, Mac Jones is just Mac Jones. He's safe. He, I don't see his upside being anything other than a mid-tier two, but he's safe. He's Theoretically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he is a, he is a very fine uh, QB2 and super flex on your roster. That can kind of just not, you know, not fuck you too much. The Patriots getting back uh, Bill O'Brien at least ensures some confidence that the offense gets back to maybe rookie year offensive form, and mm-hmm. hopefully they they don't, you know, they can invest in some of their receiving core instead of bringing in these wide receiver threes to fill it out, or trading way too much for, or for uh, Devonta Parker. Yeah. Um, who are you buying? Who are you selling out of these five and in, in super flex? Buy Lance. Buy Lance and just buy Lance. There's yeah. enough people out there, especially with the Brock Purdy, especially with George Kittle coming out saying that Brock Purdy's the front runner. By There's Lance. gonna be more than enough people that are gonna be like, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm buying Lawrence, but I, but I'm selling Lance still. I still don't. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I see the upside and stuff, but I just don't. That's where a lot of people are going to be on Lance. It's going to be one or the other, and that's going to be a divisive camp. I'm on the other side. I don't think any of these guys. I've been on the other side. No, I mean, I I was. You've never liked. I mean, I mean, I get it, Brian. You've 
never wavered on your take on land. So, I mean, I, no. there's like, there's really nothing. To, and people really shouldn't, right? We haven't seen enough games from them, you know, and, you know, in either way, I've always been high on lands. That's why he would be a buy in this point. If you were low on them, nothing of that should change with the five games he's played. Mm-hmm. Before we get into positional, I would just, I'm looking at this and I would just like to point out the top 12 in this draft actually did not turn out that bad. Lawrence Wilson, Lance, Pitts, Chase, Waddle. Um, so you went skill positions in this draft, the first six picks. And then Panay Sewell has been awesome. JC Horn's been great. Um, Patrick Sertan has been been really, really good. Devonta Smith, Justin Fields, Micah Parsons through the top 12. What a freaking top end of that class. Yeah. <laughs> it's been oh, also Brian Dable on Coach of the Year. Yeah. Oh, sweet. J- just announce. Should have been. Good for him. Which is what our pick was. We got it right. Woo. Yay. All right. Uh, it was actually a tight end that went next. So let's talk about Kyle Pitts here for a minute. And then <laughs> as we stick it in the first round. So um, what are you doing? Right. You had an extremely slow start last year. Almost no touchdown upside. Felt a completely dysfunctional offense this year where it didn't necessarily pan out for him. And then he got hurt. What do we like? Where are you at with Kyle Pitts right now? Obviously, don't sell him. No, just hold. He's a hold. hold. He, he's a, he's a, a buy low if you league. can get him for cheap. It's like he's like he's selling an offense that's gonna that they that's gonna yield a lot of target volumes to be him and Drake London. It's gonna be just a consolidation of targets going his way. It, we know just how talented he is. This is just a problem of getting a tight end that goes top five. Mm-hmm. You know, people have these expectations of him right out of the game in a bad and... Atlanta offense that just it's not shocking that he's off to a slowish start. Yeah. And right out of the gate, too. They have those yeah. expectations off of him. And you just you can't. You just can't for the tight end position. It's a hard position to play. I I think he's a huge buy right now. Um because people are gonna be down on that. Two years in, I think it's a huge buy at the moment. Ryan? Uh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, if you can get him, I'd take him. You know you do you know who we're talking about? Kyle Pitts. Okay. Just making sure. Just making sure. <laughs> like Ryan's autopilot no, response. Yeah. No, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was just looking at, at our draft results and I was trying to look at back at like where Kyle Pitts was going to most drafts. He was going top five. I see him go as high as number two. Like that was what I was looking at. So it's like you're looking at a top five, top two pick. You're not going to trade him away for absolutely nothing because of the investment you made on him. And you're not getting a lot for him right now either. So. No, you'll be at the. You'll be lucky to get an end of like pick twelve mm-hmm. and a draft. Speaking right of this, let's uh, let's play a little game of what trades has he gone for recently? I like that game. It's a fun game. Let's uh, let's hope DLF can load up quicker than what it is. <laughs> yay for uh, yay for hotel Wi-Fi. All right, here we go. Perfect. Got two for one deal. Kyle Pitts or DJ Moore slash David and Joku. 
Probably Pitts. Close though. That, that's that's actually a good trade there. I think that I think it is a good trade because you get uh, DJ Moore, which is another like consistent yet probably a polarizing thing. And Njoku came out hot last year, and then you know things faded down the stretch. I I'm probably on the Pitts side of that, but barely. It's a pretty good trade. Yeah, it's pretty even. I like it. All right. This is a two for one involving Pitts on the second side. Yeah, Pitts and Rashad Bateman or TJ Hawkinson. Ooh. This is an easy. It's Pitts, it how, Pitts and Bateman side. It's Pitts Mike. and Bateman for me. Yeah. It also depends on how high on, on Hawkinson after having like constant 10 target games. Well, in some Minnesota who actually wants to invest into the wide receiver two spot, I mean, Hawk is, should be. Top three in Dynasty and, with Andrews and Pitts. So, yeah, and he'll be a top two or three, but you know, you're getting somebody else that is also that, and then you're getting Bateman on top of it. So, I mean, I, I also get why this trade's made. Hawk is going to provide you the production right away. He's coming into his prime, and we know his role in Minnesota is not going to be what a, it's, he's not going to block as much. Irv Smith will be gone. You know, Pitts and Bateman both haven't proved anything yet you know we know the volume is going to be there for both when they're healthy both offenses are, are in this weird spot we don't know what what baltimore's offensive situation is even going to look like they don't have an oc yet they haven't re-signed jackson but we know the upside is there for both bateman and pitt so i mean i get why you would make this move especially if you're a team that's looking to build for a championship i just don't why make it now where yeah where hawkinson's value is the highest has probably ever been why not make this move post draft? And Minnesota does decide to go after a wide receiver early again, which is there's been rumors around. What if they re-sign Herb Smith? Like there are many ways to get a lower valued hawk where I don't see his value jumping any higher. Unless Minnesota completely disregards the wide receiver spot, which could happen. This is also a really good free agent class for wide receiver twos. There's no high upside ones or alphas in it, which is why people are down on it. But this is a good spot to find a complimentary receiver for a team like Minnesota. I just, why are you trading for Hawk when he's at his highest and value this early in, the, you know, in the dynasty offseason? All right. Well, plus they're looking at the uh, relation to Adam Thielen too, right? Because I think Adam Thielen came out today saying something about. <laughs> <laughs> They're working through some things. That was so diplomatic of him. He's like, "Oh, I would love to retire. Like, you're going to retire a Viking, even if you play it somewhere else. So it's on a one day contract, retire Viking. Like, it's okay, bud. Like, we all love you here. Like, no one dislikes you. We also know that you're 32 years old, off of multiple injured seasons, and you're not the same player. It's a business. It is a business. All right, rolling through the receivers. Um. So deep receiver class, and we're going to start up the first three. So um, you got the first three guys off the board um, were hotly debated, and quite honestly, all of them have double-digit touchdowns, all of them um, up over 2,000 yards uh, for their career so far. Uh, you know, But Jamar Chase is heads and tails the best of the three. But Chase, Waddle, Smith, 
you're I think that's just pretty fair to say you're in a really good position with all three guys. Yeah, especially Smith. He really took that step up this year. Yeah. Like where Philadelphia actually has two wide receiver ones now instead of Smith trying to play the wide receiver one by himself, he's actually able to feed that number two, but it was really like an also like a it's like a dual alpha system they have there. It's almost like being put into his his more natural spot. It's gonna be beneficial to him entirely. And all of that fear about Waddle getting once, you know, Hill got signed, not coming to fruition at all. Waddle was was fantastic this year. Um, and Chase just continues to be fantastic. So it's not you're you're not moving any of these guys, you're not buying them at a value. Um, they're those three have just been absolutely fantastic. I just love Waddle's jump in his yards per reception, and which yeah. I'm sure is ADOT's also extremely like he he nearly doubled. He he nearly doubled. Well, and that's what we were saying at the beginning of the season, right? That was what we called out was that yeah, the ADOT was super low and that the way that they used him in his rookie year was really close to the line of scrimmage, and that if his ADOT just came to league average, that he was gonna be fantastic. And I just was. hope they don't lose Tua. I hope Tua doesn't retire or nothing after all those concussions. Because yeah, I mean, there's a reason why Waddle should be considered a top, you know, a top ten wide receiver in dynasty. Everything that's been said and been seen is that Tua's playing football still. So and he's cleared. Yeah. So. Yep. He is cleared. All right. Keeping with the wide receivers, um, you had a little bit, and then you got into some not great stuff here with uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, so rounding out the wide receivers in the first round after that run early on, you ended up with Kadarius Tony to the Giants at pick 20. He's now on his second team. Uh, Rashad Bateman has not been able to stay on the field, and Baltimore has taken no steps for, forward in the in the passing game. So anything on those two, either of them? I think Bateman's probably a buy. Tony is going to be more of a pick him up off the scrap heap if he ever does anything. I'd pick just, Tony up right now. I like Tony a lot. I like Tony a lot going into this year. I liked him a lot. I would like Tony if he can actually get on the field, stay on the field, stay and healthy, and production. Be hurt. Yeah, the dude, the, the he's a another gadget player. Like, I mean, yes, I, I was never on Tony to begin with. Um, easy bad. sell after he has a strong a strong okay. game in the Super Bowl. He he just doesn't command anything. Yeah, he can't get on the field. I was not on Tony to begin with, and then he ended up being the best receiver on the Giants and limited work last season. So saw some like, okay, it could be, and then was hurt this season. It's just like, all right. I still think there's definitely some some traits and some could be there, but he's going to be a gadget player. I don't think he has one upside on your team. He's not somebody that I want to give up capital to get. Um, so he's either, you know, pieced with somebody else as part of a deal where I just need like, a sweetener instead of a third or fourth round pick, or um, he's going to be picked up off the, the scrap heap. Bateman's a more interesting one, but he hasn't seen the field either. So he's probably more of a hold or a buy low for me. Yeah. There are rumors the Ravens are, are going to try to, they're going to interview Chiefs OC. Um, the enemy. Yeah, their their wish is insane because that would obviously completely change. I mean, the mindset of what that Ravens offense they're working will never with look uh, like Todd Munkin right now too. I think who is yeah. responsible for Jameis and for Georgia. So it's something to keep Jameis, uh, not Jameis, but uh, Lamar. Lamar Jackson in town. Lamar Jackson. God damn, I can't even speak right now. 
Yeah. You know, all, all these names confused right now. I got all jumbling <laughs> together. Every time I hear it, I start picking it up. I'm like, damn it. No, not that one. So Kenneth Walker had more first place votes than Garrett Wilson, but uh, because of them counting second and third place votes as well, uh, that's how Wilson got it. Yeah, Walker had one more first place vote, but Wilson had like eight or nine more second place votes than yep. Walker. Yeah. Which I agree with how they do that. It shouldn't I, just be. I, I do too. It shouldn't just be who gets your first place vote. Yeah. Um, all right, that's it for the wide receivers and the running back side, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Two players seemingly after this year headed in different directions. Yeah, like I wasn't on Najee Harris going into the season just because of the whole foot injury. All, and uh, All volume. Yeah, I think he had, what, what was it? I think he has almost like 600 touches already between the first two years. If, I'm if right. there's ever uh, a running back yes. that you want to predict is going to get hurt, which I hate to say. 700. A follow the breadcrumbs of backs that are massively overused. Yeah. Even dating back to college. 579 carries and 115 receptions. He's yeah. six, 695. So 700. Round and up. they brought back, and they brought back Man Canada. So that offense is already going to look like shit again. And they don't Elliot. have an offensive line still, which they need yeah. offensive linemen. I mean, he's inefficient. Do you guys, so. Right now, DLF has him as the RB sixteen, okay. and then KTC has him as the RB. I mean, uh, right now on at least with KTC, which is obviously more of a swing in in people's minds, he's RB eleven. So back in one or in mid two, it's all volume on that one. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. It's all explosiveness. Volume. It's all going to be volume, and you worry about injury at that point because he was used to having in college too. And he wasn't he wasn't efficient. I mean, obviously, more volume typically leads to less efficiency stats. He was a product of an insane offensive line, an insane offense with Bama. I don't think Najee's a bad player by any means. Should have never been taken first round. Um, but as you guys said, he's a product of 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 the volume, and, and unless the Steelers' offense improves and there's you know touch on upside, um, no. Yeah, and ETN's the other other way around. As the Jags offense improves, the only thing you really need to add into his repertoire is the touchdowns. He, you know, after a slow start coming off the injury, ended up with 1,400 scrimmage yards this year. Um, 1,000 on the ground on 220 carries, which is a good number of carries. Um, 35 receptions. So, you know, ETN, as that offense gets better, is going to get better. I don't think he's at a ceiling yet. Um if you're gonna buy, it's not gonna be cheap, but now's the chance. He's definitely more of a hold. Um, but I think ETN's trending up, actually. Oh, big time. Yeah, with the whole offensive way Lawrence is turning up with it, he's going up with it. So RB six and DLF. Good. RB five and KTC. Fair. Obviously, I've always been a big fan. Um, you know, we, we expected a slow star post ACL injury, new offense. Now he's gonna be year two, Doug Peterson. Um, looking at some trades here. Um, he's part of a one for three. So it was, it was a uh, game. Well, Miles Sanders and a 23 first, obviously we don't know what that is for ETN, which I would expect. That's pretty good. Would be his, his cost. Like I would yeah. honestly move any other 
you know, 23 pick to try to get ETN right after Beijing's gone. There's been enough hype on these guys, you know, yeah. behind, you know, behind Beijing right now, you can probably get ETN even at a discount in your rookie drafts where those picks are worth the most. Yeah. All right. Um, not really anything else on the fourth round. There's some guys that went and are on the first round. Sorry. There's a bunch of defensive guys up there. Some good, not so, some not so good. Let's hit a beer review and then we'll get second round in the rest of the draft. Beer review. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start so I can do my normal pour myself a second beer. Um, this held the apple really well, and I'm really surprised by that for being two years old. I mean, I know it was in a can, but it held the apple really well. Um, the cinnamon has come off of it a little bit if you're going for an Apple Jacks type of thing, um, but it's still nice and tart. It still drinks really easy. It's still pretty refreshing. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised at how well that um, it held that fruit, so... Uh, again, good, good beer. Um, kind of nailed what they're trying to do. It's not overly sour, but because it is a sour, I can probably only drink one or two of them in a sitting. But flavors right on, even at two years old. I want to know how many, how many pounds <laughs> of apples are used. I, it was it, like, I, I have to imagine it, it was a shit ton for it to be held up. I mean, obviously, this cinnamon, you know, falling off isn't shocking at all you know spices are typically one of the first to go yeah i don't know probably like you said probably a shitload that that's it has to be otherwise it, it would have gone especially because you kept it did you keep it on the shelf or did you keep it in the fridge it was in the fridge i mean that probably helped mm-hmm. i also helped. didn't have it for two years though so i mean it, it was probably on the shelf for nine months before I bought it because I know I haven't <laughs> had it for two years. That's so. that too. Um, I'll go quick here. Uh, again, uh, Guinness straw. This is the NA Guinness straw. There's literally no difference to this. It tastes just like a Guinness, which is amazing because this is what you really want to go for when you do an NA options, a craft beer. You want to try to represent the style as best as possible without losing any flavor to it. Um, for those of you that are looking to, you know, to supplement or change your drinking habits and you want to keep drinking, you know, you know, keep drinking, you know, craft beer, there isn't a better time to get into drinking NA craft and, and the amount of high quality products that are being put out and the fact that you can replicate a Guinness to perfection, obviously from the company that makes it is, is, is pretty remarkable. So if you see it, this is the first time I saw it out here. Um, I haven't seen something like this and where I live, you know, around where Hopper is as well. I mean, I'm out in KC, so maybe that's a little different. Maybe it hasn't hit the Illinois side, which would be a little shocking. But, you know, if you love if you love Guinness and you're looking for an alternative to Guinness in, in, in terms of alcohol, just if you find this, pick it up. It's very, very good. It's pretty amazing how these uh, NA beers have become like better tasting beers that aren't really alcoholic. This is like, I was there with my first time trying one. I'm like, actually, this isn't bad at all. I was thinking it's being more like watered down, but they, the flavor, I mean, it's 
it's just like a beer without the alcohol. I mean, all they're doing is just boiling out all the fermentable sugars, like all the things that create alcohol. Hops don't add any alcohol at all, and mm. you're you're just not losing your profile. And and because of 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 those, you know, because of more and more craft breweries that are going this route, you're just going to become better. You're going to have just just better representations of it, and. You're going to see it more and more too out in the markets, out at bars, out at, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Sporting events would be, I, I promise you in the near future, you're going to see more sporting events and, you know, you know, concerts alike to try to help prevent people over drinking and getting hammered and doing something fucking stupid. These are the best alternatives. Like here, drink craft beer, but don't get fucked up like, and make stupid decisions. Like see it on tap at a bar. It'll be, it Nothing won't be on draft. Be, it won't be on draft. Um, the problem when with the problem with doing NA on draft is you have to be completely perfect with cleaning your lines. Anything that gets in those lines, anything from the past, or any like if you don't clean them properly, you can create alcohol. And uh, most bars are not perfect. No. Yeah. But, yeah. And then if you if someone gets a you know someone gets an NA beer, like let's say a woman's pregnant and gets one, and it's not an NA anymore. Your lawsuit having you're fucked, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, So, there's so unless you're gonna dedicate a tap system to just in a don't do it, yeah, or or just Uh, go to you'll see more and more. It'll come up packing NA only craft breweries, too. You'll see more just specific craft breweries that do NA, and that part will be fine because they're not. There's also a lot of dry bars coming out, too, that will just specialize in mocktails and NA beers and stuff, so. Yeah, there's a market. There it is. Ryan, did you go yet? No, I did not. not. We were too too busy talking about NAs. I had a Sheboygan Brewing's Blueberry Ale, which is out of Sheboygan, Michigan. Here comes in at five point six percent, fourteen IBUs, and definitely nice blueberry hint to it. Like I liked it a lot. I I had one a couple days ago out of the can. I didn't like it that much because I just cracked it open and had it, and I was like, this doesn't taste right. And then doing it in the glass. Definitely tastes better. It's uh you taste it as soon as it hits the lips, it's right on your tongue, it's blueberry, you swallow it's blueberry, you have the nice blueberry aftertaste. And it actually holds a good aftertaste. It's not like one that like fades where it's like nasty. Mm-hmm. So and it's really nice and light being a uh cream ale. Good. Awesome. Uh Let's go ahead and get into the second round. So second round was not very heavy on on skill players uh, with the way the draft started out. A lot of guys going early. There wasn't a lot of slippage. So um, we'll start with the wide receivers. So really, you had four wide receivers go five, four. You had four wide receivers go in the second round. You had Elijah Moore. Going early. Five, yeah. Elijah Rondale, Eskridge, yeah, five. So you had Elijah Moore, um, going to the Jets is the first guy. You had Rondale Moore going to Arizona, uh, a little over halfway through the round, um, and then Dwayne Eskridge to Seattle, uh, T2 Atwell to the Rams, and Terrace Marshall to the Panthers. Um, anything out of those guys, I think Marshall and 
Ron, so Marshall, Rondale Moore, and um, Elijah Moore, the three that I think have value that we can discuss. Yeah, so, and look at him, the value as, as that too, like one, two, three. Like, I feel like Elijah Moore out of the three of them has the least amount of value right now based on how he performed this year compared to how he did his rookie season where he actually did really good. Yeah. Garrett Wilson coming in definitely did hurt Elijah Moore as did some of the dysfunction of the offense. He was not able to put it together the same way he was in his in his rookie season. Dan, you're the Elijah Moore truther among us. Yeah, I I I, I fully expect more to be involved in any trade that involves Aaron Rodgers, which is what I'm predicting. Um, if he does stay there and the Jets do improve their quarterback position, scream by in the very limited time that he had without Zach Wilson and not dealing with the off the field stuff, the stuff with the coaching staff, it, it's he, he, there's still production. You don't have that good of a first year and just fall off the face of the earth. Um, you know, maturity issues aside, he's just, he's still going to grow. This is still a very ascending offense in a very good offensive division and an excellent offensive conference. The Jets are going to take step forwards. It's going to involve in getting production, not just from Zach Wilson, but from Elijah Moore as well. Um, I don't know what the contract situation is like with Corey Davis. Um, I don't see the Jets out on him after this year or this okay. year even. I don't see the Jets going after that's not a a superposition of weakness at this point well it's also not um, a really deep wider receiver it's not deep as well yeah, class or draft so yeah i mean if they if they decide to go after one of these you know decent number two receivers in free agency that's going to spill some water on more um i i would still be looking to buy low if you believe in the talent which i do i definitely would huh uh, Corey Davis is 100% getting cut. The out <laughs> is this off season. Um, they save a lot. What is uh, their at least $600,000 in dead cap to cut him and they would save over 10 million. What is their salary situation though? I mean, what, it, what it matter to them? I don't think anybody's coming at there isn't any big name players that are looking that they'll be looking to extending right now that where they're trying to save money. Yeah, as of right now, they're three million over the cap. Oh, three. Okay. Okay. They saved 10 million by cutting Corey Davis with only six hundred K in dead cap. I mean, I guess if they feel like they can improve that much on him, he's not gonna cost a lot. I mean, they can definitely save enough. So I mean, obviously, if he'd probably be one of their first looks if the Jets are looking to open up salary for, for the wh- whoever the fuck ever, especially for someone like Rogers in which they'll have to front off a bunch of money for then. Yes. Yeah. And I would, this is also why you want to try to get, you know, Elijah more, the jets are in the market to improve the QB position. Like that's only, that's only good for Elijah more, unless he's not, in, if he's involved in the trade, then you're fucked. But if he's not, then. Yeah. Like, I don't see it getting much worse for him. No, no. Uh, Rondale Moore, the guy going the other direction, had a really down rookie season. Then um, we saw that wide receiver two position in Arizona, whether it was Dorge or Rondale Moore, um, pay some serious dividend. But it looked like it uh, benefited Dorge more than it did Rondale Moore. Um, 
It depends who their quarterback was, right? Because Dorch was, I mean, you know, number two guy or uh, number two on the, you know, what the hell am I looking for? Um, He was probably playing a lot of times with Colt McCoy. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Last year. Rondo Moore was also hurt the first part of this season, too. And when he came back, Dorch fell off. I know because I had Dorch in a lot of places. And Moore was they, definitely ahead of him in the pecking order, and they both kind of produced at about the same clip in that position. Yeah, and, I and Moore had, s- he had three games with over 10 targets. Yeah. And five I, with over eight, eight plus. So 95 I want to see what the I want to see what the Cardinals do, the wide receiver spot. Obviously, AJ getting retired. There's already a bunch of rumors about Hopkins being traded. Uh, Kyler will he should be. I'm assuming he'll be ready at a clean ACL tear. So, you know, he should be back before week one, back before even preseason potentially. Moore isn't a number one. There might be yeah. some value into into him being viewed that way once they trade Hopkins. In I that don't... meantime, and there's no wide receiver one in this draft class, which we've constantly talked about. And Moore doesn't profile for me as a is a one no, though no, not no. playing outside so i don't want him to be the one yeah yeah, it's a complimentary piece well he got a uh, marquise brown brown would be the that's be the one there if what happens gone now if oh Hopkins, yeah i forgot about yeah we all forgot about it oh my god like, wait a minute i like that because you get into that makes you, know, you feel you a lot better run it a little bit more <laughs> wide open too with murray's mobility and and uh Brown and and Rondale Moore, you can do a lot of things with that. I think so. Yeah, it looks better now. Yeah, also, so, I mean, no head coach yet either. Yeah. Well, we know who the finalists are. If it's Kafka, <laughs> true, then true, that very true. Also, gets a little interesting in how creative he can get with those pieces. So, um, Rondo Moore is also, you know, cheap. If you like more, you're, you're going to get him at a discount. So, yeah, it's it's not. A terrible get. I, I wouldn't call it a buy necessarily because I don't know that you get a lot more upside than what he has. It's just a nice piece to to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrace Marshall showed flashes this season. I think with him, we just really need to see what Carolina does. Uh, we know that they have room for a two, that they have room for a wide receiver to step up. No idea what the quarterback situation is going to look like. Should be an improved offensive situation, though, from a coaching standpoint for him. So he's another one that, with the way he flashed last year and his size, you could you could make a case to make a buy on Terrace Marshall, especially because he should still be pretty cheap. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of ROI to be had there without a lot of risk. Yeah, what, what are some uh, trades that we've seen for Terrace Marshall right now? Probably Let's like... pull it up here. So DLF has him at wide receiver uh, sixty nine. Nice. Uh, nice. Uh, is DLF uh, an injury for ham sandwiches and Doritos? Because that's that's pretty much waiver wire. Like he's basically yeah. waiver. I mean, that's what, I mean that's what I would expect his value to be. There's going to be truthers that are going to be buying into him. Um, some of those flashy games he had, you know, is going to help with that. Um, <laughs> There's fad money being had here. See, I told um, you. <laughs> Doritos and cheese sandwiches. There's, yeah, you really can't get an idea of what. Uh, so here's here's the one. So it's a uh, 23 third 
and a hundred dollars in blind bidding dollars. There you go. That's what yeah. terrorists, which is basically sure. He's and, a waiver wire pick. Then uh, you try to get him for a third or fourth round. If you really want him, I there's no interest for me. I I, I can totally see him getting replaced yeah, either free agency or the draft. I could too. I'm just the, targeting it as uh, there's some ROI to be had there with little risk. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, he's again. If you, it's as you guys said. There's there's zero risk into moving them. You're not giving up any any capital. Right. You're not spending what it costs to draft them in this in his rookie draft. Right. You can now get him for fourth. I picked him up in places for free last year. So there there is ROI right now. I can I can net a third round pick probably for him. <laughs> like after picking them up and off waivers. Yeah, so it's easy. It's it's an automatic upgrade for you, no matter what. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We don't need to talk about Atwell or or uh, Askeridge, right? No, they're both the same. They're (laughs) they're doing nothing. Yeah, Yeah. not not great. (laughs) Same player. Not great things there. There was one running back in this round. It was Javonta Williams who stock went way up, and then the ACL tear, and now you're just kind of waiting. I got a lot. We talked time. about him in the cell video a few weeks back. We're all we're all agrees the cell, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you can sell him for a lot still, because people think like he's actually going to be something big, that big running back that we all wanted to be last year before towards ACL. Yeah, this is the media content. I'm going to pull up recent trades. I don't know if we did this when we had this cell episode. We didn't. Okay, so DLF has him as RB14. Which I think is very. I'm surprised he's outside the top twelve. I I figured he'd still be in that too. range. Oh Jesus Christ! Come on. All right. So recent trades for him, Javante Williams in a second round in two seconds for a 23 first. I would presume that's a high 23 first. I would deal with that type of move. Yeah. That seems like yeah, All right, here's one that I'll, I think will it'll irk Ryan. Um, this is a Jamison Williams in a 23 first for Gainwell and Javonta Williams, and then a 23 third. So basically, you're a 20. So basically, Williams and a 23 first for for Javonta. That seems like an overpay. That I is a like ma- that yeah. I mean, it's an overpay. <laughs> It's... Giving up on Jamison Williams right now is the dumbest move you can do. So if someone offered me that trade and I was getting the Jamison Williams, I'd be doing it in a heartbeat. Yep, here you go. Well, I know you would. Javante is yours. Well, and everybody you're, loves the upside. You're also irrationally high on Jamison. I'm, I'm just joking. Uh, no, I am, no, I am rationally high on him. I'm not going to Everybody lie. loves Javante Williams, but 250. I have my concerns. Yeah, and yep, me too. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, KTC has Javanta as the RB nine, so five spot difference. I, I, I think that's fine. Probably more fair. Yeah, I think there's a good amount of between the tackles upside. I think you're a lot of times going to have to compliment him with the receiving back, even though he's shown he can do it. He's big enough to operate around the goal line if you can get, and he's going to be in what should be an improved offense that could go way up from this year, but. You're obviously not getting a discount on him because people still believe and people moved him the year before, and you know. Didn't and plus, get looking at Sean Payton offense too. Yeah, 
Like the way Sean Payton uses I, his running backs. That's another way people are over like uh viewing him. Yeah. He's not he's not Alvin Kamara. But I yeah. promise you right now at this well, point I'd be next Mark year. Ingram, though. <laughs> so yeah, true. I promise you right now at this point next year he will be a buy. After I, like, I think he like, might be a sell at this point next year. I think we'll mainly see. more so it's he's gonna be I think at his lowest at the once people realize that he's not gonna contribute at all to the majority of the fantasy season, his value is gonna dip. What yeah. I just missed? I'm sorry. I, I said at this point next year that Javante Williams will be a buy for me. I'm already he's thinking I'm, he has I'm already already falling in. Yeah. You think his value is gonna go start dropping low enough where when he doesn't he's not gonna... I think people are buying the thought that he'll be ready at the start of the season. And he won't be. Like okay. just yeah. look at J.K. Dobbins, his timeline from his injuries are very, very, you know He didn't really look himself until the last four weeks of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he had to battle through his own, you know, post ACL injury. They both, both met, you know, the ACL plus. Javante's happened in season where you know Dobbins was, I think, week one or week or week two or week three of preseason. So, yeah, he's not going to be ready until mid season at best, and you're going to have that lull period in between of him getting back up to speed and trusting himself and making those and making those cuts. He may not contribute at all to your fantasy team next year, and that's where the buy opportunity comes. Entering sure. his final year of his contract, there is and and there's going to be a, I think a lot of positive points, but you're also going to see a lot of people saying buy in. Like I, I promise you too, there's going to be articles all over the place saying buy Javante Williams now, blah blah this, blah blah that. Yep. All right, quarterback and tight end out of this one. Uh, there's one tight end, one quarterback in the second round. The tight end is Pat Fryermuth. Nice piece. Um, don't see him making a huge amount of upside. Should float around the mid-tier tight ends. It's not a buy. It's not a sell. It's a, if you got him, congratulations. You don't have to think too much. Yeah, he's he not is a, a tight end one. Yeah. <laughs> he's a top 12 tight end because he'll stay healthy. Yep. <laughs> like, uh, that's all he is. And then the quarterback was Kyle Trask, who I don't think any of us. He might start. I don't think any of us have a lot of faith in him. No, oh, God, no, he's terrible. But you should, he, he should be rostered. You, you should roster him because yeah. right now he is a penciled in starter. You couldn't even start with Blaine Gabbert. Yep. All right. <laughs> Third round, and then we'll get to the rest. Third round of this started off with, let's see, you had two quarterbacks in the third round. Yeah, two quarterbacks right at the beginning, Kellen Mond and Davis Mills. Not a lot to say there. Mond hasn't done anything. Davis Mills is set to be replaced. Um, we got more out of him than I any of us thought we would, but I, yeah. That, we got yeah, the most out of him that we thought we'd get out of any of these quarterbacks that went in the second late, and third round. Yeah. Dude, this round is fucking brutal. This round is brutal. It's like there's nothing. The Mills wider- is the only person to talk about. Yeah, Josh well, Palmer. We talk Josh Palmer a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> Amari Rogers, nothing. Nico Collins, nothing. Anthony Schwartz, slash some big playability, but really nothing. He's um, nothing. Josh Palmer has given you some big games. Mike Williams ain't it. I think I don't think he's a buy. I don't think he's a sell. I think that when you're making your cuts, consider holding him because he has shown some upside. Nothing you're super incredibly excited about but he has shown some upside at least i mean it, i mean him and nico collins are in the same position there maybe be some open opportunity 
at least at this point, Nico is a penciled in starter and no one yeah. else out of him. Nico hasn't had the production to this point that Palmer has, though, either. So, worse offense. That just is what it is. I've never been a believer. Has Palmer been more productive? I mean, yeah, I don't 100, know. 105 yeah. receptions, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns for Palmer. For Nico, it's uh, 79, 27, and three. So, not quite the target volume, not quite the receiving he volume. He was productive. I didn't realize Palmer was, part of, Palmer was yeah. productive last year. Yeah, he that was, was due to uh, Mike Williams going out. Yeah, Mike Williams not being able to stay on the field led to a lot of that. So Palmer Palmer had an opportunity and he took it, basically in an uninspiring passing game. Uninspiring. Uh, they're they're still this outside of touchdowns. Outside of touchdowns, they're they're yeah. Don't I don't care about either. I really don't either. Um, (laughs) Palmer's a better piece to hold around. They'll probably be back into bench guys. Running back wise, it was Trey Sermon, and that's it. Moving on, day three. Yeah. Trey Sermon's already on a different team, so it doesn't matter. All right, let's go look at day three. Um, Highlighted by some good running backs going in the fourth round, actually. Some guys that we are going to end up talking about. So fourth round is actually where you started to pick up some value. For whatever reason, these teams shit the bed in the second and third round. Then we got to the fourth round, and we're like, all right, cool. We're going to make some good picks again. So running backs, you get Michael Carter, Ramondre Stevenson, Chuba Hubbard out of this round in Kenny Wanwu who's a good return guy so, might see his value bump next year with potential change of running back in Minnesota well and I like Wanwu for his explosive ability he's always been an intriguing piece for me and he should be free so if I have roster space I'm definitely rostering that just for that reason because he should be free He's got a lot of explosive playmaking ability. Um, Michael Carter um, lost some value and then got it back and then lost it again. And he's going to be a guy, I think, that perpetually has some receiving upside as a flex play and is one injury away. But with <laughs> Brees Hall there, um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to hurt did. Michael Carter. Eats. Yeah. He, he's like he's like my uh, version of... Uh... Damian Pierce right now. Just looking at Michael Carter, I just see Damian Pierce the same exact way. Yeah. That's like how so. Like how so? Like as he'll get replaced. Yeah, like he's only a fourth round. Pierce is a starter at least. Yeah, but Pierce wasn't like he couldn't handle like the he wasn't like the most efficient type of running back with with his carries and stuff or anytime he had the ball in his hands. That's what kind of killed him. But I mean that's value Najee Harris. Yeah. Exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. I like that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't disagree. It, it, it was just funny because I, I, I wouldn't have expected you to go to Damian Pierce. There couldn't like be like two different players. I can see, you know, Pierce getting, you know, you know, you know just, fucked I, the way that Carter did with a high with a high you know value that, pick and going that's to how, usage. That's sure, how I, look I at can it. definitely see that. Yeah. That's how okay. I look at it as. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's like okay. that. The fourth round pick. The day three pick. It'd be like that sometimes. Ramondre Stevenson is probably the crown jewel of this one. He is easily the Patriots' top back and had a hell of a good season. They're still going to run the football. He's still going to be heavily involved. I think that um, you can make an argument at this point for him over Najee. I mean, he, I mean, DLF has him over Najee, and and uh, KTC has a back to back RB eleven, RB twelve. 
Yeah. And I would agree. You're going to have two, you're going to have two productive years with him and then he'll get replaced. This is what New England does. They draft your replacements and they already have two in the waiting for him. Unless they draft one this year, you're, you're going to have two quality years of Ramondre Stevenson. He should be a buy hands down right now. Yep. And Chuba Hubbard also, uh, I believe he's currently the pencil and starter for Carolina, right? Um, yeah, what, he's only one. I yeah, think Foreman. he's yeah, because Foreman uh, Foreman's on under contract. Deal. So yeah, so Hubbard's pencil in as a starter. Him and Foreman both looked okay when they had their their opportunities. So keep an eye on what Carolina does. You're not buying Hubbard, but hold it and watch. Yeah, I mean, expect you, him to probably get replaced, but as of right now, as of right now, he's the guy. He'll probably be one injury away. injury away. Yeah. (laughs) Or one trade away, I guess. One injury away. Uh, Wide receiver wise, there was not a lot to look at in the fourth round other than Amon Ross St. Brown, who has been. I was going to say, I mean, let's not not overlook the sun god. I'm I'm not overlooking St. Brown. It was everybody else. The other guys in this round were Des Fitzpatrick went ahead of him. Um, And then behind him, Jalen Darden. Tylen Wallace, um, Jacob Harris. God, can you imagine if yeah, Baltimore would have, if, if Baltimore would have actually drafted Amon Rocky or Tennessee instead of Dust Fitzpatrick. Oh my God! Yeah, he should have never went day three. No, um, like I know this was a product of the COVID years and the the ever expanding draft class that it has because of all the rules that were in place, but. St. Brown should have never been like it was a travesty that he went day three and had to ruin models and everything else because he should have been. <sighs> and he's been fantastic. You're not getting any value on him. And uh, he's got a profile that could last a while. So just like ride that. And he's on an ascending offense and yep. uh, Detroit drafting a wide receiver that won't be a true number one makes it even better. Like St. Brown is in line to be a massive target hog. And I don't see Jamison Williams changing that whatsoever. No matter what Ryan says. Dan saying inflammatory things. <laughs> I like Jamison Williams. Uh, yeah. If it means I get Amon Rod cheaper, then I love Jamison Williams. Oh no, you're 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 paying more for uh I'm on run the UR Jameson Williams. I mean right you now. are absolutely, but I mean right now, so right now DLF has him as the wide receiver seven, which I think is about as as perfect as you can get for that. Yeah. Colin Granson's the tight end that went. Ian Book is the quarterback that went in this round. I think that's it for four. On to round five. We don't need to talk about Luke Farrell. Really don't need to talk about Brevin Jordan either. Uh, the first useful fantasy asset that went in round five was uh, Evan McPherson. That's a good little bat-to-back pick there, McPherson and, and Gainwell. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> McPherson and Gainwell. Uh, Gainwell we do got to talk about for a little bit. You mentioned, kind of alluded to this earlier, where he's been involved in a, in a boatload of trades. And uh, the reason for that is because Sanders is headed to free agency. So and I, I, he's the one I struggle with the most on whether or not he's going to go back to Philly or not. I'm I'm really wondering what his market's going to look like. Yeah. Um, which is going to be a big bump to Gainwell, even though Gainwell doesn't profile as a workhorse. No, and he his odd really usage been... in the red zone speaks yeah, all the so, How big is he? He's like 
He's not. He's up to 200. Nine. He's like 5'9", 200 now. Yeah, you yeah. nailed it like right but on the dot. First career. So five, nine. Yeah. Uh, 56 receptions, 400 yards and a touchdown. Hasn't has yet to crack a thousand scrimmage yards in his career. So, but um, guaranteed a touchdown every time against the Giants. Yeah, he's <laughs> the new boss of Scott and gets some. <laughs> <laughs> no profile is an ancillary piece for most of it, which is fine at this point. But you know, he's always going to be a really good, like you know, late round, you know, pass catching back that could provide you some value, you know, during bye weeks. All right, that's in like a rotational position, basically. Yeah, and. I guess we'll see what Philly does with Sanders, but yeah, the Nick Sirianno, you know, what we've seen from that offense since he's taken over, like, I don't know if there's a running back, running back to have there, unless they go balls to the wall and take Bijan. Like, yeah, Miles Sanders I just don't, see them, I just don't see them doing that either. Miles Sanders had himself a good year. He did. Credit the touchdowns came back and, it's, you know, the touchdown variance was, you know, it overcorrected. It's great. Yep. Uh, wide receivers, there's nothing here. Amir Smith Marset, I don't care about. Um, Simi Pahoko, I don't care about. Cornell Powell, I forgot existed. Most of these names. Yep. You see that? Is there you a see usable? That, you oh, see in the fifth round that uh, the Jet, the Jets also drafted Michael Carter the safety. Yeah. Out of uh, Duke, so they drafted Michael Carter twice. Uh huh. Oh okay. wow! Not funny. <laughs> I think Ryan, Ryan was like, "Wait a minute, I got these guys. They're gonna be like, oh my god, they're like, oh my god, you're so good. That's so funny." <laughs> Just go to round six where there's some at least one useful name there. Uh, Frank Darby. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not a wide receiver. I don't think there's a wide receiver uh, with any Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, I said wide receiver. Yeah, looking at wide receivers, it was Darby, Marcus Stevenson, Chai Smith, Racy McMath, uh, Jalen Camp. Well, Ben Skronik, seventh round. There's a name. Some... <laughs> ben Skronik. There we go. Haven't said that in a little bit. Seth Williams, no, nothing there. No. Uh, Chris Evans hasn't been anything round tree. Elijah Mitchell is probably the only guy in this round to talk about. You are right. It's only other oh, Khalil only Herbert. guy left to talk about. Khalil Herbert's here, too. Oh, yes, yes. For a little bit. So let's talk Mitchell and Herbert real quick. Um we don't know what that's going to look. Elijah Mitchell has been super productive when he's been healthy, which hasn't been all the time. We don't know what that's going to look like with CMC. And it's likely not going to look like a lot of volume for Elijah Mitchell going forward. You want both. Yeah. The Niners tendency to max use the running backs that get hurt. Obviously McCaffrey is a different animal. I mean, it could be a 50-50 split for all we know. Herbert's yeah. probably one of the better value. I hope it's not 50-50 split. I don't think that'll happen. But Herbert's a better value, but the problem is, is everybody sees him as a value, and everybody sees him with a buy, which is a buy, which completely makes him not that right now. But he's a starter for Chicago, unless they go do do something well, when else. When David Montgomery resigns. Uh, they, I don't think they're resigning him. I haven't seen anything around a resigning, and it was pretty much a foregone conclusion at the beginning of this year that they weren't going to resign David McGill. Oh, I mean, I hope they don't. I, it's with all that money to play with. If yeah, Herbert they, somehow survives and is a pencil in starter, which would, in my opinion, be the correct move. Yeah, I think so too. I absolutely, you know, to the moon. That's why if you want to get him, you got to get him now. Yeah. Like the longer you wait, especially up. once free agent hits, it's. It's not a great value right now, but it's only going to go up. Yeah. 
Exactly. And he's been yeah, I mean, productive yeah. given his opportunities every time. I mean, yeah, super efficient, especially in the offense, you know, in these RPO style offense with one of the league's best rushing quarterbacks. It's yeah. Open take care of it. a little bit, huh? Yeah. Uh, Sam Ellinger got to start. It didn't go well. <laughs> There's a long snapper that went in this round. It's, I mean, there, there are two long snappers that went in this round. Look at them. Dude, a Cameron Cheeseman. What a name. Cameron Cheeseman. 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 I wonder if he still plays for Washington. Is he still long snapping football? He is still on there. He says his name's still bold. He's still uh he's still a part of at least he's a at least he's a part of the he's part of Selwyn's roster. He's still Okay. Six four, two thirty. He is their starting long snapper. He's he's played every game. Sweet. Freaking huge. Awesome. Uh he is, he's a big fucking dude. Just, was there anything in the last round? I'm here? totally kidding. No. Ben Skoranek? No, we're done. Ben, ben Skronik's the only thing that the, the biggest highlight name there. Ben Jake Skronik. Funk. Uh, Jake Funk was like a Jake Funk and one Kylan. night stand. Jake Funk and Kylan. Hill. So was Ben Skronik. <laughs> ben Skronik was, was he there a couple days. Kylan, Kylan <laughs> Hill. What could have been? Oh, I know, right? Uh, I wish. Sad. Sad day. All right, Jared Doikes. Remember Jared Doakes? Oh, that was yeah. a name for a while. Dokes, yeah. Dokes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, not a lot here. No. That's why they call it the Seventh Round. Oh, Jamar Jefferson. Remember when people wanted that to be a thing? Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so here's your takeaway from these two rounds. Your hits after round two are really, really low. As they typically are. Yep. So just remember that. Your your day three hits are super low. And, the fourth round. Yeah. Well, and that was just dumb luck. You normally don't see that either. So those were guys that I think Amon Ron Carter we considered slips and Stevenson most of us missed on. And Hubbard actually people thought, I think at the time that he slipped and went lower than he should have, and he actually ended up about right. I mean, he was a hot name before his final year with Oklahoma State. I th- you know, he was up there with with Najee, and, you know, with Etienne in a lot of people's minds. You know, this undersized but extremely explosive back that just this is what happens when you test poorly at the combine. Like this is this is why you you have to hire the right agent that will tell you that hey, like this is either run it or don't. And if Chubber never did the combine, he would have probably gone day two. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. That's the show.